Welcome to the Less True podcast presented by Gulf Food, the largest annual FMB sourcing event in the world. I'm your host, Jueria Hersey, bringing you compelling stories and insights to a wide range of topics in the food and drinks industry. From farming, behind the scenes, to the culinary world, and to foods we simply love to chew on. In this podcast series, we speak to people, brands, and businesses across the food and drinks spectrum to find out more about why they do what they do and how, in their own way, they're championing change and shifting the future of food and drink. Trust me, there's so much more, so listen to the Less True podcast on our website, gulffood.com, and subscribe to our newsletter for the latest updates in food. Welcome back to another episode of the Less Chew podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jerry Hersey. And today we have an exciting guest, Mary Ann DeHan, the visionary supplying the UAE's top restaurants with her vibrant blooms. So whether you have dined at Tristan Studio, Nobu, Hakkasan, or Oceano, chances are you have tasted Marianne's flowers. Um, so Marianne is now the region's leading name in edible flowers and leading Marianne's fresh produce, growing sustainable microgreens and uh, edible flowers and herbs in the UAE desert. So join us as we explore her story and the challenges she might have faced cultivating her farm and supplying the UAE's most renowned restaurants with her colorful blooms. Welcome to the Let's Chew podcast, Marianne. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. It's exciting. How has your day been? <laughs> it's oh. been pretty good. Thanks. Okay, perfect. <laughs> so what I like to uh, do on the podcast is to get to know more about why you do what you do and your journey. So if you can just take us back to the beginning of your journey and uh, what inspired you to start Marianne's Fresh Produce and how did you transition from the corporate life to now the UAE's leading name in edible flowers. Thank you for that compliment. So um, I've always had a, a love for growing things and, um, and, and nature, et cetera. Like my mom um, just showed me a postcard she had sent my uncle when I was 10 saying, oh, that afternoon we were going on a, on a, a nature tour to learn about all the medicinal and edible plants in the forest because that's what I wanted to do, basically. Oh, wow. So um, there's always been that interest and I have great memories of we had a little orchard where, I mean, my dad would have like a, also a vegetable patch and grow pumpkins and all kinds of stuff. So that love was always there, but more of a hobby, I guess. Um, and I didn't necessarily see a career for myself in in the agricultural world yeah. um, because I'm from the Netherlands and there's a big ag industry there, but it's usually big farms or family farms where it's, it's very corporate, very big. Yeah. There's a lot that happens there. Yeah. Um, so I thought, okay, that's interesting, but um, not necessarily my career. I didn't see how to make a career out of that, but, um, okay. and then went, you know, did one school and went to uni for industrial engineering, etc. Um, but this, this love for <laughs> food yeah. and um, plants, it was always there. And it was always an interest and in something I always followed. And, and sustainability, I was really a passion. Like, what can we do to make the world slightly better, right? Instead sure. of detrimental. Um, and then we moved here in 2014. So I've, I followed my, 
husband and first found a job, yeah, more as an account manager for a company because there's many things I love doing. So that yeah. was one of the things <laughs> one I love. Um, but it was like coming here and then coming from a country where a lot is produced locally versus here and you see everything is imported True. and you do realize, wow, it is a very challenging climate here. It is not that easy, but there must be something that can be done. And I was just... Um, following the industry and I got to visit a few farms in Egypt when I was there for a wedding which is not the same climate here but more towards what we have here um, and there were some amazing things going on and then as I learned about in indoor farming um, hydroponics aquaponics even organic farming in the desert I'm like this is amazing there's still so much that we can do here in the UAE let me see if I can maybe join and a then. project or transition into that world here because I believe there's still a lot of opportunity yeah um but to do it in a way where we prioritize sustainability because for me agriculture is really where like energy water usage like resource usage health um, taking care of our planet, it all comes together in how we produce our food, right? True. Um, so how can we use agriculture as a force for good, basically? Um, and there were a few projects starting up, but it wasn't necessarily themed towards that as much as I would like, or um, I didn't feel maybe I, with my skill set, could necessarily make a contribution. So I thought, you know what? <laughs> There's still so much. That, let me see if I can start something myself. Um, and that's how I started talking to chefs and learning more and um, about, you know, where is the industry at at this point here in the UAE? What are the things we, that are relevant for this context, etc.? Um, and through these conversations, said, OK, what can I do as a small farmer? Because some of the things I like tomato farming, you need a huge skill. So you yeah. need a many, many, many millions to even get started in that industry. Mm -hmm. So what can I do as a local small farmer? And we talked about herbs and, and basils and lettuces and then things like um, edible flowers and microgreens. I was asking chefs, oh, is this something you use or would be interested in? And they said, yeah, very much, because it's very hard to get here because A, nobody's really doing this locally and B, okay. it's a very delicate product. So half the time... By the time you harvest a flower and you bring it from France or the Netherlands or wherever, it's already by the time it's here <laughs> and maybe it's set on the tarmac yeah. in the in the heat for uh, 10 minutes or 20 minutes and it's gone. Um, and aside from that, it's just uh, something very beautiful to grow. And so that's sort of how I fell upon that something. I said, OK, this is something where I can make a difference <laughs> and something I can do as a small farmer and I can help these chefs. There's... Um, bringing them something they can't find right now. And um, there's still a lot of room for innovation and creativity within that space. Um, so that's really how, how, it started, how the so journey did you started. Start with just the, the flowers or how the did flowers you... Flowers and microgreens. Yeah, that's really where we started right from the okay. beginning. Yeah. And then we started with um, microgreens, a few varieties and flowers, I think... And then beginning it was maybe two or three varieties or four. And now we're, I believe, nearly 20 and more microgreens. And, and it's really the flowers that we we are known for and hone in. And, and of course, make me the happiest. Yeah. <laughs> so just tell me a little bit more about the fresh produce as a whole. Like, how is it right now? How is it going? Uh, the company? How, yeah, yeah, as a whole. So now, yeah. So when we started, um, it was really, like I said, just me. So we are completely privately owned and have been from the beginning and yeah. have really done it as a 
bootstrapped it all yeah. basically so from the beginning it was like me literally figuring everything out finding a property and building racks and yeah. doing the electrical wiring and <laughs> learning about the elect uh, the uh, the all the agricultural practices talking to the chefs doing the deliveries etc um and then as we grew bit by bit you know as our resources grew every time everything would go back into the business so we could improve a little bit more, bring in somebody to help yeah. uh, grow. And now we are stand, yeah, at f we're a team of 15 and we work with, I think it's over 80 restaurants, if not more wow. now, <laughs> uh, across by many of the, the Michelin starred ones, the really, and, and they were there for the journey. They made this possible for yes, us as well. You've been speaking to them. Yeah, that's <laughs> amazing. Thing. It's really impressive that you've managed to create a successful farm um, for edible flowers and the microgreens without prior officially agricultural experiences. Mm -hmm. So what would you say were some of the key challenges that um, you faced when starting out and uh, how did you overcome them? Okay, so I think there's a multitude, like different uh, challenges. The first, of course, is being learning about agriculture in a more commercial setting, True. because there's one thing doing it in your garden, um, but it's different when you have to do it in a commercial setting in the sense that you have to make sure you have continuous production for your chefs, um, that not only do you produce it, do you get it there in good condition, that you are complying with all the standards that are there, etc. So learning about all of these things, of course, is the, the technical knowledge, which is very fascinating, the science yeah. behind growing. Then the other thing is, I think, like I said, agriculture as an industry it was it is still very much developing in the UAE. And it's amazing, like in the six years I've been doing this, how it's much cool. development I've already seen. But what that meant, especially like for the organic, more sustainable growing, in terms of resource availability, it was very limited. Still is a bit more limited, but it's it's gotten a lot better. So think of things like um, beneficial insects. It's something we wanted to use from the beginning, but there was no supplier. Oh, here. <laughs> yeah, here. Or, you know, there's producers abroad, but nobody bringing it into the country with the right certification, et cetera. Whereas now there is. So it took us like years of searching and then we found something. Same for certain, okay, you might read about a specific microorganism. Yeah. That um, you can introduce into the system, that helps suppress fungus and uh, increases soil fertility but it wasn't available here. Now, as the industry grows, more and more of these things are available, available in the market. So I think the fact that sustainable agriculture as a whole, as a sector, uh, was limited but growing, so that was definitely a challenge to overcome and where we, we still sometimes are like, oh, we'd love to do that, but it's difficult still, to access it, yeah. but it's, um, it's already an opportunity at yeah. the same time. Yeah. It is an, a major difference from six years ago till now. And I foresee a lot of growth in that area. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of the sustainability, as you know, the farm to fork movements are becoming increasingly important in the culinary world, especially. Could you tell us uh, more about your sustainable farming methods and how they set fresh, uh, Marianne's fresh produce apart from the other options in the region? Um, so our aim at Marianne's Fresh Produce, the whole reason I set it up is really to use the farm or the way we grow to um, to contribute to a more equitable and sustainable world by pushing our agricultural practices to sort of address climate change, pollution, and um, 
resource usage. Yeah. Because for me, um, these three are sort of the main challenges facing our, our environment today, together with biodiversity loss, which is in, in effect uh, a result of the former three. So each of these three is interrelated and has a lot of sub-issues to it. So, you know, climate change is mostly driven by excess CO2 in the air. Um, then we have like pollution, you can think of uh, plastic pollution, nitrate pollution, uh, pesticide pollution, and then resource usage is how do we use scarce resources like water, arable land, energy, or anything lithium any yeah. any limited resource basically so our aim is really to look at farming and our business as a whole in light of these three issues how are we contributing negatively or positively to yeah. each of these things okay so things you can think of in farming for example for um climate change well first of all we're closer to the client uh, to our customers or the yeah. chefs we work with so we're reducing food miles but also, um, by um, we're growing plants, so through that, capturing carbon from the air, right? Mm -hmm. um, but instead of sending like our waste to landfill, we compost on site so that we capture that carbon and turn it into a fertile soil. Instead of sending it to a landfill where it rots and then yeah. releases it back into. Okay. Um, and working on increasing the organic matter in our soil when for our outdoor f uh, farming part, again, to capture carbon in the soil. That's just one example. Yeah. <laughs> Then under pollution, you can think of how we do our packaging or, you know, our waste management where we segregate everything. Um, we first try to minimize waste, of course, but also think like, um, okay, what can we send for recycling? What do we compost on site again? Uh, or in terms of like not using any chemical pesticides because that contributes to a lot of chemical pollution in the environment and yeah. biodiversity loss. Yes. So, um, and then resource usage. So our indoor farm uh, helps a lot in terms of water, which is a, a very scarce resource here. So water usage and also per square meter of land, we are producing a lot, but energy usage is a bit higher. Mm -hmm. Whereas outside, we also look at, okay, how can we optimize water usage through precision irrigation, etc. But it's still always going to be a bit more than indoors. But for some varieties, it still makes, they are suited to this climate. And uh, energy usage would be higher indoors because they would need quite a lot of space mm. and light. So it makes more sense to grow them outdoors. So for us, I think it's a continuous process. And I think in sustainability, we don't have all the answers yet. Yet, yes. But we are constantly it really is our aim to constantly be pushing ourselves, like how can we do it better? Really staying up to date. What are the latest insights? Doing our own measurements and evaluating and comparing and keeping up to date. So it, it really is our ethos. And yeah, you see it in all the little different practices across um, the farm, be yeah. it in the actual growing of things yes. or how we run the business as a whole. And I think it's beautiful because you, the the top restaurants that you um, are uh, collaborating with, they've been with you from the start. So they know your story and they know how much you're putting in to your sustainable practices. So um, in terms of the edible flowers, not only is it enhancing the visual appeal of the dishes, but also it contributes to the flavor. Mm -hmm. um, can you share some interesting examples of how Dubai's top chefs uh, use your 
flowers to elevate their culinary creations and what impact it has had on their menus? Well, they are always the best to answer this question, I'm sure. I'm sure, but I want to see your perspective. Exactly. For us, of course, we are facilitating the chef's creativity and they are are really the ones that make our products shine in their um, creations. Uh, But one of the examples I could think of is... um, Chef Humanchu at Justin Studio has had this dish on his menu for quite a, a long time now. It's really one of his signatures. And it's um, a pepper, and he uses our gem marigold on top. Okay. Um, these bright yellow flowers, but they also have like um, a citrusy mm-hmm. herbal flavor that really mixes amplifies. B- amplifies and mixes beautifully with the other flavors of the dish. Oh, that's delicious. <laughs> Okay. It's like so beautiful because it's like a bed of flowers on top, but yeah. then the flavor, you you really taste the flower so well when you eat it and how it it balances so beautifully with the rest of the dish. Um, so like that, and I know Avatar, there's a, a, a nasturtium. So nasturtium flower is also has a lot of um, initial sweetness and then uh, pepper, spice at the yeah. end. So again, that that flower really adds a lot of um, flavor and not only color because it's very bright, but a lot of flavor to their dish. And, you know, there's loads of examples everywhere across menus from all of these fantastic chefs and how they use these ingredients within their dishes. So what would you advise um, other entrepreneurs who are interested in starting a sustainable business? What would your one advice um, be? a variety I think the most I think for any business is uh, don't give up (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) no so um uh, know what you want to contribute and know what value you are trying to add to the world who are your customers and how are you adding value to them and also like sustain maybe it is um through energy saving practices. So how are you contributing to the world, but also how how are you helping the people you are working with basically? So I think it's really important that you know your value add basically. Um, And then, yeah, I think in general, just, I think that's the challenge for any new business owner is, um, you know, learning how to run a business so going from one person where you're doing everything it's more about the technical knowledge to becoming more of a team leader and working on your business instead what would you say is the most difficult thing to be um to be doing or farming business like what's the most difficult part of a part of a sustainable farm Okay, so just sustainable like, business in general or just far, a farm, farm, farm from your point general. of view? Yeah. Um, uh, that's Is it the weather or what would you say? Um, I don't, I think it's very hard to say just, I mean, farm, obviously you need to have a love for what you're doing. I mean, yes. that's for, for me, not even a question. If yes. you don't actually love what you're doing, the because you have to be very patient and passionate. It takes a, a long time to learn and, um, optimize and there's always more to learn. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so uh, yeah, the climate is is definitely challenging. But then again, it also presents opportunities to push novel ideas, try new things, etc. So um, for me, I I think it's not 
just the farming, but it's also finding the right people mm. that support your the same vision, making sure you all, as you grow, you make sure everybody embraces that same ethos of sustainability and thinks in the same direction. And everybody starts contributing to that same idea, that same vision of how do we make the farm more sustainable mm -hmm. as we go along and and work with our customers to support them as well on their journey. Okay. And so how do you see the edible flowers industry growing in the next five to 10 years? Um, well, I still have a huge wish list of things <laughs> I want to grow. Okay. <laughs> so, um, no, I think there's still a lot of room for innovation and creativity and new things we can bring to chefs, etc. And Look, the the Dubai or UAE food scene is really going through a renaissance. Like it's growing so much. There's so much creativity here. There's, um, you know, the rate of development is amazing. And I, I foresee that to continue. So I think for edible flowers is going to be a part of that journey or specialty produce, be it, you know, adding more colors or flavors or or sort of um, more paints to their paintbrush, basically. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's, yeah. Okay, so see, I'm, I have no clue about the edible and flower industry. Yeah. So what makes an edible flower different than a regular flower for listeners who are just like me who have no clue? Okay, yeah, that's a very good question. Because <laughs> yeah. um, I can't just go to a farm and pick a flower yeah, yeah. and eat it. So. Sometimes when you're in it, you don't realize. Yeah. Um, so there's a few things. First, it is about the actual variety of the flower. So um, inherently, genetically, are they edible, safe to eat? Um, so you have to know the variety, whereas okay. some flowers can actually also be very poisonous. So good it's to good to know which <laughs> variety. And then secondly is how are they grown? Because, um, yeah, the, the variety might be edible when you see it um, on the side of the road, but it could be full of pesticides or a dog Aww. has peed over it yeah. or who knows. So for us, it's also very much about, you know, um, producing them in a very clean, controlled way. So we know they are, you know, f uh, free of any contamination or any pesticides, etc. that they are a fit for human consumption. So those are the two elements I think would is what makes a flower edible. But yeah, if you can want to grow in your garden and yeah. you know how you've grown them, then yeah, you if definitely. you have the right varieties. And how long great. does it usually take to grow? Like um, Yeah, you have to be, it, um, for the flowers, most of them from like seed to first flower is about three months, I would say. Okay. And it depends on the varieties. Most is around that, some a little quicker, some longer. Um, but that sort of gives you an indication. And yeah. how long is their lifeline? It uh, really depends. And it also depends how you take care of them. Okay. <laughs> um, so I think like our violas, some of our plants, because we really pamper them, um, we keep them up to a year indoor oh. in our indoor farm. Uh, whereas some like inherently their life cycle is shorter. It's four months, five months, of which three months they're growing. Then they give flowers for a short period. Yeah. And then they die off. Yeah. Oh, a year. That's, yeah, that's, that's for the really bio. Cool. So the most okay. of them are shorter. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, again, it is like if the more we can control the environment, give them the optimum environment to thrive in, yeah, the longer we can stretch their life. Oh, amazing. So looking ahead, uh, mm -hmm. you mentioned you have dreams of um, expansion and uh, you have a checklist of things that you want to grow. <laughs> so what are your future plans for Marianne's Fresh Produce and how do you see the farm evolving in the coming years to meet the growing demand for locally sourced produce in Dubai and beyond? Mm. So 
we've been very lucky uh, lucky that we've been able to grow like organically basically from start till now and we hope to continue that journey it's really because of these chefs going on this journey with us recommending us to other chefs moving around to a new restaurant and taking us with them as a supplier and we hope to continue that journey as the industry here evolves and grows um and using that growth basically to like i said add more varieties be able to to deliver um a wider array of specialty products and work with them as um you know Uh, interest changes yes. to new varieties and really keep pushing ourselves in terms of um, sustainability. Okay, we are here now. How can we, what can we do even better? How can we sequester more carbon into our soils? How can we reduce our waste even further? Like, you know, my dream is really for us to become like a net positive contributor in each of these fields. Okay. Um, so that, that would be the ultimate dream. <laughs> Perfect. Um, just one last question. Um, what is your favorite thing to grow on the farm? And does any flower have better taste than the other? Ooh. Um, um, it's hard to say like a favorite because like now with the green, I love coming in. And then as you walk around, you get these different smells. Like one is more floral and then you get mm. more citrusy and, Uh, and another one smells like honey so it's it's like that whole combination that makes it so beautiful and colorful yeah um and yeah definitely some have better taste yeah. than others <laughs> okay. like viola i love because of its versatility and its beautiful colors but in terms of flavor it doesn't add that, that much. much it's very mild which okay. also makes it very versatile um and then like sweet alyssum i love like the smell is amazing like it's mm. like like honey that's like you're yeah. inhaling honey but then you taste it and it's mustards it's so surprising mustard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. wow yeah. okay and then um but i think like one i really like is slightly underrated maybe it's like these uh we call it a purple bean mm. it is a, a bean plant and it gives these purple flowers and they almost look like little orchids oh, it's, <laughs> yeah. um and the flavor is very delicate like um a bit like beans, but like very sweet bean flavor and uh, very delicate. So yeah, I think those, yeah, I, I really, I think that's an underrated one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Delicious. Yeah. All right. Then thank you so much for coming on the show, Marianne. It's really a pleasure to have you on the Let's Chew podcast. Do you have any last words or anything you want to plug where they can find you? Um, <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure and great, great to be able to talk about what we do. And yeah, um, we're in Dubai. So any chef who wants to find us, you can find us at Marianne's Fresh Produce. <laughs> and where are you located? Uh, we're on Dubai, uh, Elaine Road there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you again for tuning into another episode of the Less Chew podcast. As always, please do leave us a review and let us know your thoughts on the episode. Until next time, bye for now.